0: Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already October 8th, 2019. It is a Tuesday, so we're just still in the starting part of the week. And today we're going to talk about self-empowerment. It feels so good just to even say that. Seven days of the challenge. And I realized that every day, because I kept it short, I didn't just talk long-winded about certain topics. Because every time I would do a... um, (laughs) every time I would do my walk, I talked for like an hour, sometimes a half an hour. And I listen on the way back, but every single time that I talk like that, I go, gosh, I wish I could have shared that, but they're so personal, but the, the lessons were just unbelievable. But you know, you go topic to topic and like, When I read or when I first started writing, I used to wonder who would read all this stuff, and then it ended up being Origins of Truth. So I thought, you know, all this stuff is recorded. I have nine years of recording, if you could imagine, just all recorded. However, keeping it to 10 minutes taught me to go quicker. Not to talk faster, but to stay focused on the topic, kind of the way we do on the show. And because of that, that's what felt so empowering. And then every day just came out with a decision. Like, oh, I should just do that. That we're always learning and growing. Getting past the stuff that's in our way between ourselves, between myself and and the things that I choose to do, and to look at it objectively, and it was happening live time as I have people trying to you know learn around me, and I'm trying to learn around me to be objective about that learning instead of, oh, this is so-and-so, and and, oh, that's so-and-so, but that we are just learning. This is what we look like learning. Learning to be objective. What Christ calls objective is the coolest part because, you know, he said this in Origins of Truth and everything he said in that book is coming to life. But he said of objective love, the other side of love, the other side of truth, the other side of purity. And it all goes back to us looking at our lives and not beating ourselves up, not taking away, not talking about what's missing, not thinking that everybody else has the secret that we don't. There is no secret other than understanding truth and love and purity. And when we make choices, letting go of fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt, when I see those things playing out, I am like totally fascinated with this whole impeachment process. Not because of the impeachment process. We all know what's going on. But the cat and mouse game of trying to get to the truth. All these people trying to get to the truth. And I'm watching going, oh, wow, that's clever. Oh, wow, they can come up with that. Oh, look at that. And it's totally objective. I'm not on either side except the truth. If there was like a a party that was called the truth party, that would be my party. So I thought, if I were doing things in life like that, where you're in, in that kind of a public forum, where people are scrutinizing your decisions, and you're dodging the bullet of the truth the whole day. We're in year three, guys, year three, and we're just listening to all of these adult people, both sides of the fence, spending hours a day trying to get to the truth, and all the other issues that are going on get pushed to the side because no one rests until they get to the truth. But the bigger lesson in that is that neither do we. Nobody rests until we get to the truth. And that challenge, last night I was talking to my daughter and she's like, Wow, Mom, I'm getting the emails and I'm I'm following this and, you know, giving me all these suggestions. And I'm, like, taking notes in my phone. And, you know, she's just telling me all this stuff. And I said, did you do the challenge? She's like, oh, no. I go, why not? And I know she's busy and I know she's working, but no one's too busy for themselves. Because if you are, that's another thing. And and she said, oh, the thought of hearing my own voice. And I said, that's true for all of us. That's true for all of us. People tell me when they hear my voice on the radio, it gives them comfort. When I hear my voice on the radio, I'm like, oh, my God, it sounds like I just woke up. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I did just wake up. The first thing I do in the morning is talk about this. Because the biggest takeaway from all of this is that I don't have to be perfect. Nobody has to be perfect. But when we come from a place of purity, that's all we've got. That's all we've got. when Christ said I was not perfect but I was pure that's that's where it was that's what he meant I'm quoting Christ in my mind in my thoughts in my challenges and it's funny because once I took the religious blanket off of Christ, I was free to hear Him. And it's not about loving or being loyal or proving, it's just pure hope that we can grow to understanding it's a guide. Christ is our guide. We may not like things in life. We may be fascinated by other things. We may be attracted to other things. That just tells us who we are because we can't do everything. So something has to channel us through filters in life to get us to where we, we came here to be. So that's one thing. So if we don't like something, we used to beat ourselves up. Oh, everyone's good at that. I'm not. Oh, that's going on. I don't do that. Oh, everyone else is making more money. I'm not. Oh, everyone, you know, and this whole mentality of deficit thinking Only because we've had a great role model for deficit thinking. We weren't taught to think in what we couldn't do as opposed to what we could. People asking me, well, what's my gift? Well, what am I here for? And I'm like, if I can't answer that, it's because I'm not you. You know what you're attracted to, but we have to own it. And that feeling empowerment comes from understanding that you're a learning and growing soul and you're not a knowing soul nobody came here with a playbook other than other than working from a place of strength and for some reason Anyone who was strong was looked at in this weird negative light, like, well, who do they think they are? And because of that, we hid our strength. We just wanted to be like everybody else. We wanted to fit in. For people in my age group, one of the biggest things I used to hear. I don't hear it as much anymore. And when I do, it's from someone who still hasn't kind of jumped into the world, I want to say, because I really wish I did that when I was younger. I was good at it. I loved it. But I was scared. Because when we chased our dreams younger, that was a huge isolation (laughs) technique. Because if we jumped in people would be like oh good luck good luck and our parents would be worried and everyone would be concerned about us because taking a risk of any kind was looked at as you falling off the rails and now we're watching people do it now we are learning to incorporate the fact that we're not going to die. Let's try. That feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, to me, those are, those are old feelings. We may feel them once in a while, but they should come and go. They shouldn't be the mainstay of your your thought process or the working model you have in your your brain of how you're going to do your life. And even think about that, doing your life, living your life. What, What does matter to you? When I feel like people are proving, trying to prove something, scale yourself back and ask yourself why you yourself are not convinced because that's why we try to prove things to other people. And sometimes other people work as our motivation. So that proving things should be a temporary thing. Because if it's jumping from person to person, well, I'll prove to so-and-so and I'll prove to this person. And, you know, you're going around always finding some That's You're not convinced. Once you can convince yourself that you're okay, being aware enough of being aware that you're not going to get anywhere by waiting to learn how to get there. Learning how to get there is by doing it And, and being forced to make choices that you have to live by It's such a delicate topic. It's, you know, it sounds like this big bulldozer topic, empowerment. But underneath that is a very delicate moving parts that ask you to ask yourself, hey, am I taking away or am I giving? Sometimes we don't even know. People say, well, you got to feel some fear there's only two instinctive instinctive fears. And both of them are like run when you know you need to. And gut feelings that we know we need to get out of somewhere. It's not the same as fear of doing things. A little stress is good. Yeah, I have to wake up early today. Yes, because once you wake up, you're up and going. But adding doubt oh, I don't know if I could do that. I don't think that's me. Everybody else, worry. Oh, what will happen if I take a chance? If I lived in the worry or control, I would have never gotten started. I remember coming home from work and writing and writing and writing, putting it in the drawer. I wasn't writing to write a book. I was writing because I couldn't stop. And once you get started, it's like your brain. That's why I would say you have to start to start. Your brain starts going, oh, my gosh, and then this way and then that way. But you just stay on stay in your role. Stay on that one thing and find out what you can about it. When Christ told me you're going to author books, he didn't tell me I was going to write books. There's a huge difference between write books and author books. But when I first heard that, I thought, I never wrote a book. But I'm right. I did never write a book. And until today, I don't feel like I wrote a book. He was right. I authored the books With him. With him. And no sooner did I see him did all the people who who were I call them the teachers, the lesson teachers, just started filing in my life. And I remember one day going, What the heck just happened to my life? All these people are coming in, they're driving me nuts. Mean people. And in that same bright light, really beautiful people. But that's how I could tell the difference. Think about that. And the people I thought were the meanest were my best teachers. And they taught me well. God bless them. God bless them. There's some people I never want to see again. Ever. Ever. Yet, God bless them. They did their job well. And I had to learn every frame of somebody's plan, how their mind thinks, how they want to, you know, create friction. Those are teachers. Back in the day, we used to call them Troublemakers. They would make trouble. I call them teachers. Imagine how that changed, how I view people. This past week with the girl that I still love, I'm not happy about her choices, but I love her. Even last night before I slept, I said, gosh, you know, I talked about it on the radio today, and the disappointment that that was her choice was my biggest challenge. So the way I look at that has empowered me to not feel like I don't care, because that isn't my intention. But I get to choose what I want to participate in. Do I want to participate in a cat and mouse game or not? Because it's definitely alive and well. She just didn't get to understanding yet in her life that that is not going to serve her well. That lack of maturity. That when you're that immature... And you still think no one can see you. It reminded me when I was little, I used to suck my thumb. And I was one of those people that it was hard for my parents to get me to stop. And I remember them putting um, pepper on my fingers and, you know, on my thumb and all this weird stuff. And then I'd put my thumb in my mouth and, you know, there I go. And so I knew now if they took my hand and put anything, not to put it in my mouth. But I would, like, go wash it off or try to, you know, make sure that I wasn't hurting myself. But the best one was because I was, like, five years old. I would put the blanket over my entire body. And I had a favorite blanket that I would hold while I sucked my thumb. So I would get a different blanket, like a tent, and put it over my whole body and sit underneath that blanket and think no one could see me and suck my thumb. And I must have gotten a lot of comfort from it because I sure as heck fought for it in the ways a five-year-old could. And that's how I felt this past week. Like she was, you know, under that big blanket sucking her thumb like no one could see her. And everyone knew exactly what was going on. But because I understood the mechanics I didn't want to knock her out of the park or destroy her or make her feel like, oh, my God, you lied. I didn't even want to accuse her. I already knew the answer. But I thanked her in my heart last night for teaching me that sometimes, Even though someone may not know your motivation, and I can't say I know her motivation for whatever she needed to do. I just pray that she finds out why she needed to do that. Whatever the reason was. I have a feeling it was just a deep immaturity. But there's a language barrier. But not enough to have not done that, but I thanked her. And I wished her well. I had to get through it because I'm human. I had to go back to that fork in the road and say, "Hey, you know what? That was weird. that was just weird instead of I meant she did, then she did. It was that day. I had to remember my instincts. And that's where it's self-empowering. Self-empowerment isn't bulldozing other people. It's doing that intention check. Did I want to let her go? No. Did I feel bad? Yes. Did it happen? Yeah. Do I
1: hate her now?
0: No. something's going on that needs to either be healed or paid attention to or becoming aware of. And maybe this on her journey was one step closer to that. And I hope it was, and I hope it is. Feeling empowered is knowing that the stuff that shows up in your life every day you can face, you can deal with, you can say, hey, you know what, I got this, because something's going to show up in all of our lives, we would be, you know, blind, deaf, and dumb to say it wouldn't, the only difference is in how we deal with these things, understanding that we are going to make decisions every single day, that today, you're going to make A ton of decisions, one way or another. Because that's why we are here. When people ask me, why are you here? You're here. To exercise your free will. Because nobody else is here to do that for you. Nobody can do that for you. And when people try We get rebellious because we know deep inside that's our job. Not their job, our job. Self-empowerment. It's not taking care of yourself over everyone else because you're alone in this world. The truth is, you're part of this world, and you are contributing, whether you think you are or not. Your energy is part of our history at this time, and to God, that's huge. You came here to include your energy at this time in our history, whether you think people like you or don't, care about you or don't you or don't, however you've chosen to take in life, whether your intentions are good or not, whether you're battling that all day or not, whether you think it's all about other people or you or whatever your mix is inside of that head of of yours, whatever that mix is. It's part of our history at this time. It's part of our history. It's kind of an interesting thing to really think about how important your contribution is. And if we can be aware of our part in our history at this time, Even on an off day when you think nobody in the world cares, God cares. And he really does. Enough, enough. To have so many people who chose to be here that have a helpful attitude towards other people. And attitudes of service towards other people. To keep us focused on ourselves enough. Enough to guide us all. Including the people that are guiding. To grow in awareness. Nobody here has a monopoly on wisdom. That's by design. So, don't feel like you have to know everything. But that intention check, that's your filter. Understanding you don't have to be perfect, but really dig down to your purity. And knowing that strength is understanding and being kind. The only way we can reach people is through kindness. I wasn't mean last week. I was hurt. I was upset. But it wasn't like I'm hurt all the time. It hurt my feelings. One, that I had to receive that. And two, that it was a a choice that someone made that I care about. But in the the grand scheme of things, overall, my reaction was, I don't want to participate in this kind of game, especially if it's in my home. And at this point, it's still at the participation level because there is no awareness at all that this is not okay yet. But over time, it will show itself to be that. And that that person, that soul will go, wow, you know, this hasn't worked for me. People don't like that because it doesn't cause good feelings. It causes feelings that end up making them not, you know, be able, be able to have me around. Maybe that's something I shouldn't be doing. Because it's not serving me well as well. Maybe that game is not worth it. Maybe I can just be myself. At every single level of our lives, we have those questions. Strength is in understanding. It's in awareness. It's in pure heartedness. It's in being kind. Oh, you guys, I will see you tomorrow. I have 10 seconds left. Have a great Tuesday. I'll see you tomorrow on Relationship Wednesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.